Hey, just a quick notice before the show begins. I am going to be at Anime North in Toronto for the first time ever this year, May 24th to 26th, 2019. On the Saturday, I'll be doing the Bionics 15th Anniversary Special, as well as some other panels on the other days. For more information, visit my Twitter, at jbetteridge, where you'll find a full list of what I'll be doing. Hope to see you there! Welcome to Zon N Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. Uh, joining me today are two guests. For the first time on the show, we have Dawn. Uh, Dawn, could you please let uh, everyone know who you are and what you do? Hi, my name is Dawn. You might know me as Usumimi. I am the host of the Anime Nostalgia podcast, and uh, I also do uh, freelance writing on occasion to write about anime and manga and all that fun stuff for places like Anime News Network, Anime Herald, Crunchyroll, all that fun stuff. She does great work, and if you're not listening to the Anime Nostalgia podcast, uh, you should definitely fix that right now, because it is uh, uh-huh. really uh, a lot of fun. And uh, we also, joining us again, is Chris. Uh, Chris, can you just give the quick lowdown on who you are and what you do? My name is uh, Chris. You might uh, know me as uh, Skrutsky. I'm. Uh, I don't have any, any any credit as impressive as uh, as Don. <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm just some guy who travels a lot to Japan and uh, feels really old. And I'm basically like the old man from the the internet who watches a lot of anime. You have you have some very valuable perspective. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've found you. it. <laughs> Thank yeah, I mean, and also, I've never been to Japan, so, like, oh. I'm jealous. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going later this year. I'm so excited. Oh, my God, nice. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to see any idle uh, lives, though, like... Uh, no, uh, I, I, I wouldn't wish that on you for your first time in Japan, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, God, just looking at photos and videos of those kinds of things just gives me anxiety. <laughs> like, so many it, people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a different crowd. <laughs> I have not brushed up on my Motage, unfortunately. But uh, that's not uh, what we're focusing on today. Today, we are doing yet another retrospective on an anime program that has had a unique cultural impact or has had specific cultural relevance in Canada. We are once again focusing on a show uh, that was very popular in French-speaking Canada. And before we get onto it, I just have to clarify, the last show that we did... Uh, that was popular in French Canada that I did a retrospective for was Goldorak. And I have to issue a correction. Uh, despite the fact that I had this information well documented, um, I said throughout the episode that Goldorak originally aired on uh, Radio Canada, which is, of course, the French version of CBC, our uh, public broadcaster. Um, I was incorrect. Um, oh. The show actually aired on TVA originally back in the late 70s and early 80s. That's where its original uh, run was. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that, that, that actually makes quite a difference because it means that, uh, when something airs on Radio Canada, you can watch it in every major market across the country, pretty much, because even if you live in an area where you don't, where, uh, people don't speak French, you get, uh, a version of Radio Canada that you can, that you can watch. TVA is a private, uh, commercial network that is only in Quebec. That's um, right. Yeah. So uh, that so that that particular phenomenon was specifically a Quebec phenomenon. My understanding okay. is that it also did air in uh, New Brunswick and other French-speaking areas across the country uh, oh. as time went on. And uh, Chris, I think I think you actually did catch reruns on Radio I Canada. Did. Yeah, I, I did. So yeah. it did rerun uh, like ten years later on Radio Canada. So I I mean I was I was correct in the sense that it did air on that channel, but 
its premiere was on TV, and that's where the initial phenomenon started. So I do have to uh, apologize for that mistake. However, the show we are talking about today uh, is a show that ran on Radio Canada um, starting in 1988. Uh, we're talking about Cat's Eye, or as it's called in French, Cine Cat's Eyes. Uh, they pluralize it for some reason, which means signed cat's eyes. Uh, so this is interesting timing on this episode, too, because uh, Nozomi Entertainment, who they had licensed Cat's Eye and had made it available uh, with English subtitles for, for uh, a number of years uh, on DVD and streaming, um, has lost the license to the show. It's getting pulled. Uh, the DVDs, I think, are now at a printer. They haven't sold out yet, have they? The second season, for some reason, sold out instantly, but the first one is still available, last I checked, for, like, $10. Yeah. Which is, like, insanely cheap, because, like, when they first came out, I think they were, like, 50 or something. But, um, yeah, so if you want to at least experience some Cat's Eye, you can at least get that until they sell out. Yeah, which could very well happen, you know, before this episode. I I finish editing this episode and get it posted. Um, That's true. Who knows? We... (laughs) It is currently on Crunchyroll. I think there might be some on YouTube as well, but it is... uh... Yeah, they had the whole series on YouTube, and even though they said that they were pulling it, like, uh, like a week ago, it's still there. So if you hurry, it might still be there if you look. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing probably by summer. Uh, for sure. It's, it's gonna be gone. That has been Mm -hmm. the pattern with the other, uh, TMS licensed shows also recently lost lost the license to like uh, rose of versailles and yeah. uh, space adventure cobra so at, at this moment we still do not know who's getting the new license for cat size right i mean as far as we know right now nobody because yeah mm-hmm. yeah but i mean there's always a chance someone else might pick it up because it was released on blu-ray in japan i believe so right yeah and we're seeing lately that TMS is launching a whole bunch of streaming initiatives. Um, they've, they have, I think they have like two or three different YouTube channels. They're, they keep talking about launching their own platform. Um, I don't really understand their strategy because a lot of it seems redundant and there's a lot of overlap. Um, but, you know, presumably the clawback of all these uh, TMS licenses might have something to do with that. Or it might mm-hmm. be that Nozomi just chose not to renew them. It's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, it's really hard to tell. Like, sometimes a licensor will also be like, okay, you can renew it, but we want, like, triple the money. Yeah. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's not worth it. And they're just like, oh, no, pass. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, personally, I'm kind of surprised that, uh, like, I, I don't think they would have willingly given up all these licenses. Um, mm-hmm. Like, Rose of Versailles especially, that is, oh even, yeah. like, despite how well it sells, that's kind of a title you'd want to hold on to. Uh, Mm Because there's a lot you could do with that, especially I think there was a Blu-ray release for that um, in 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 Japan. Japan. And even if you know, even if the DVDs sold below expectations, I mean, when you get the Blu-ray rights, you can. There are multiple angles you can work with that kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I mean, Rose of Versailles is one of the most prestige titles you can have. So again, yeah, that was one that like I never thought anyone would pick up in America because uh, famously the creator Ryoko Ikeda was uh apparently very against not like licensing her work in America. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. So that's why it was also a surprise when uh, Udon was like, "Oh, we have the manga even though they still haven't put it out yet." <laughs> <laughs> they keep announcing things that aren't Rose of Versailles, uh but I no know. Rose of Versailles still. It's been what? Like 6 years now? Uh, yeah, 5 or 6 years almost. Yeah. And I'm just like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> Where is it?" <laughs> but uh yeah, apparently 
they're, they have been working on it. It's just that I think personally from the way they talk about it, it sounds like they just want the release to be as good as possible. So they keep like delaying it to just really, really get it how maybe uh, Ryoko Ikeda wants it or, you know, whatever. Um, but from what I've heard, they said they've gone through like six different translators and they have up to volume like eight translated already. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. something like that. So it's not that they're not work on, working on it. It's just not out yet. I don't know. I'm, I'm, For whatever I, reason. I think I'm going to call shenanigans on, on Unon in this one. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it does sound I, a little like, okay, well, you, if you have all that done, why isn't that out yet? That, sound, like, that sounds a lot like what four kids said about uh, their uncut version of One Piece. <laughs> they still had oh my god oh, they, no. they kept insisting that they were working on it and it was just taking oh. it out we uh-huh. promised yeah, yeah of course yeah um so not only is this uh podcast fortuitous because uh the nozomi has lost the cat's eye license we've also recently uh in japan at least seen the release of the new city hunter movie shinjuku private eyes city hunter is of course the other series from creator tsukasa hojo who is also the creator of cat's eye um, City Hunter was his follow-up to Cat's Eye, and it ultimately was probably the more famous title, especially since it, you know, it had a Jackie Chan movie, which is probably what most people associate City Hunter with. Um, but yes, yeah, City Hunter uh, got a new movie, and uh, Cat's Eye was featured in the film uh, yes. because apparently those two uh, they do they are set in the same universe. I haven't I have not watched all of City Hunter. My understanding is that they do. There's not like an explicit crossover in the series, but they do like acknowledge that. Um, they're they're both kind of. If I recall kind of correctly, the, one of the main characters in City Hunter works at a bar called Cat's Eyes. Cat's Eyes, yeah. yeah. I think that happens quite a bit later, uh, much further than I've seen in that show. Um, uh, I know part that, of the Sukasa Hojo verse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what's the third? What's the third one? Angel Heart that uh, everyone hates. Yeah, the one that's like the kind of like direct sequel to City Hunter, but okay. it's not. Oh, I think that was the parallel universe, apparently, or that—that's what he—that's what they're claiming now that everyone hates it. Yeah, now know. that no one yeah. likes it. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just—it's—it's it's not very good. So, uh, Shinjuku Private Eyes. Uh, it was released in Japan. It screened at Anime Boston. Did either not? Were either of you there? No, no I, knew, I, I knew some people who went though, and uh, a lot of praise for the movie. A lot of people said it was like basically just the same, but better. <laughs> Actually, to to my greatest shame, I was I was in Japan while the movie was in theaters. I just didn't have the time to go see it, and I it's my biggest regret. Well, that's fair enough. And that uh, movie, along with the entire City Hunter franchise, was licensed by Discotech, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna see that get released eventually. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they were saying that that, um, the 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 new movie will get a theatrical release, so I'm like super excited about that. Uh, Well, in yeah, maybe in your country. We'll, we'll oh, see. If, we'll see. If I, I have hope. Uh, I have hope. Hey, fingers I, crossed, yeah, maybe. Fingers crossed. Like it's uh, it's totally unpredictable sometimes, yes. um, depending on, on on what kind of deal is cut. But yeah, City Hunter, uh, and it's, it has had a Blu-ray release in Japan, which is uh, looks phenomenal. Um, that that show looks looks so good uh, in the new remastered form. Uh, City Hunter is interesting because you'll hear a lot about how that show has not aged very well. Um, which, which is true. Uh, I'd say that in some ways, City Hunter is aged very beautifully. It's like, it's like someone tried to make a, a very well-produced throwback to the, uh, the 80s bubble era 
now mm. that kind of that just kind of nails the aesthetic except they actually made it then yeah they they had a lot of really great animators that worked on that like mm-hmm. koji morimoto did the uh first opening theme uh animation and i think he also did a couple like i think he did season three one of them and maybe a couple in between i can't remember specifically but i know for sure uh season one uh the first opening he did uh some of the key animation for and it looks really really cool if you if you only watch one part of city hunter it should definitely be the openings because they are just phenomenal oh yes absolutely plus the music is just great oh Oh, my god like almost every theme is like a bop (laughs) well they got they got some big name uh pop artists uh Mm -hmm. doing the themes on those shows too with city hunter uh Specifically, when people say that City Hunter hasn't aged well, what they mean is the fact that the main character, Ryo, is essentially a sex offender, and you're supposed to find that endearing. Just, I, I find City Hunter to be really enjoyable, but how much you will enjoy that show going back will depend entirely on how uh, how much you can tolerate that kind of thing. Yeah, which is, which is interesting, because from what I remember, uh, because City Hunter briefly had an English uh, release the manga uh, in Raijin magazine from Raijin Publishing. And from what I recall, there was some kind of like article or interview or something in one of the issues. I can't remember specifically, but I remember vaguely them saying that, you know, the manga isn't as bad as like Ryo isn't as like handsy. Uh, in the manga. He's still pretty um, handsy in the manga. It's, he, is still, <laughs> he is still pretty handsy, but not as bad as in the anime. Um, see, but from a, what ooh. I remember, like, somebody said that the anime actually ramped it up as fan service for, not for men, but for women? Interesting. I've heard that a lot, and I, uh, what I think they might mean, or how I've always interpreted it, is that it's not Rio like sexually harassing women that was supposed to appeal to the female audience. It was the the physical comedy of of the women like injuring him and fighting him, <laughs> right? Or f- fighting back. Way more sense, honestly. I do know that like uh, him and um, Kauri were like a very popular couple. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was also another thing. Like the anime kind of focuses on that like a little bit more. And I think that was another thing that they were trying to like appeal to women because apparently women made up a huge part of the uh, City Hunter like fandom back then. I can then. see that. I can see uh, that. Yeah. Which, <laughs> if you tell people that now, they look at you like really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, I will admit, it's like, that hammer. It's that hammer. It's the hammer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When she pulls out that hammer. It is pretty great. <laughs> um, but I mean, I will admit, like when the series was like relatively like you know newer. Um, you know, I watched it when I was younger and I really enjoyed it, but that was more because like back then, like that kind of thing was in anime and you just kind of had to be like, all right, well, whatever it's there. You just had yeah. to kind of tolerate it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the idea behind Rio is like, he's, he's supposed to be kind of like, kind of like Columbo where like mm-hmm. he's kind of, he, he comes off as, as bumbling and, 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 uh, you know, kind of incompetent, but by the end of every episode, you know, you, you realize, oh, he's actually incredibly incredibly skilled and suave uh in a side that he didn't show earlier except you know he's columbo if columbo columbo were a sex offender essentially well i Um, I don't know i don't know if the monk the the enemy ever touched on that but in in the manga you can basically see that it's like is uh he's like a broken character because he went Mm -hmm. to war and he has Mm -hmm. he suffers from a lot of ptsd and and basically all the sex offender thing is just a persona he, he puts on Mm-hmm. To to protect himself, kind of, in in a way. 
Yeah, it's, yeah. Because he it's doesn't want to. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't want to get too close to people, so he puts on this thing like, "Oh, actually, I'm terrible. Don't get yes. too close to me." Yes. Uh, yeah. And Cowrie's like the only person who's like, "Well, yeah. I know who he, like you really are. I've seen who you really are, and so I can tolerate this, but you're also awful." <laughs> After you've waded through 120 episodes of City Hunter, you yeah. you you yeah. you you expose that depth right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, if City if City Hunter is sex offender Columbo. Uh, then I would say that Cat's Eye is Charlie's Angels meets Inspector Gadget. I'd say that's fair. Yeah. Cause, uh... <laughs> I'd also say, like, it takes a fair uh, sort of inspiration from, like, Lupin in that sort of, like, vein of, like, ooh, very suave, cool thieves sort of yeah. thing. But also, like, a lot of comedy because it can't be 100% serious. So, some may argue that it it's, it uh, often swerves too far in the other direction sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, when when I was talking to somebody about it because, you know, like I said, like, well, like we were talking about earlier uh, when the license was going. And I was like, oh, man, everyone should check it out if they have the means to. Please, like, do check out Cat's Eye. It's pretty fun. Uh, I had a lot of people ask, well, like, what's it about? Like, what, how would you describe it? And one of the things I tell people is like, it's kind of like a late seventies, early eighties sitcom where the hook is they're thieves, but like weird stuff happens. (laughs) And there's always like some sort of weird comedic bend to like all the, the capers. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, it's very episodic. Like, it's not uh, 100% like there's like a, a very, like, ongoing plot. I mean, there is, but like, there isn't. You know oh, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. They're really, yeah. Uh, maybe we should just quickly explain Cat's Eye, uh, the mm-hmm. basic guy, like in a nutshell. Right. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a manga in, uh, Weekly Shonen Jump. It started in 1981, ended in 1985, or 1984. I think there was a bonus chapter in, in 85. Again, by Sukasa Hojo, who went on to do, uh, City Hunter later on. And it was, uh, it was hugely popular and adapted, as we mentioned, by TMS or Tokyo Movie Shinsha. Uh, in 1983, which was the same year as Inspector Gadget, I think they beat they beat that show to market by uh, a few months. Um, <laughs> and I, I still maintain that if Toshio had like the same cybernetic enhancements, like I think those episodes would play out pretty much the same way. <laughs> um, so Cat's Eye was one of many shows made around the same time, like Captain Harlock, Rose of Versailles, Captain Future, Lupin the uh, Third, that was exported to European countries. Uh, the pipeline for that usually started in Italy. Then it went to France. Then it later moved down to other regions that speak the same language. Um, the two years after, uh, it was on. It, it played on the the Club Dorothée block uh, in France, and I think other French countries Wait, as well. Did, did, did it? Oh, uh, my under, that was my. That's what I read. I could be wrong about that. Um, in fact, I think you're you're probably the better person to consult <laughs> on on that subject. So maybe maybe I'll just kind of lay off on that. But it did air on um, oh. on Radio Canada in 1988, and I, as I mentioned before, it did broadcast around the country uh unlike shows that would just air on the quebec specific channels and typically this show was not something that non-french speakers would watch but uh i mean it's certainly the type of thing that's really really going to stand out compared to other cartoons you'd find on tv in, in both english and french at the time so if you're you know flipping channels and you see cat's eye um there's a good chance that that would get your attention uh mm-hmm. at that time it did ha- it it broadcasted a few times um, but Radio Canada actually only aired the first season, uh, and as far as uh, as far as I can tell, um, yeah, I had some other stuff to say about uh, the French airing. We'll actually maybe get to that when uh, when we talk 
more about uh, about your views on that, Chris. In a nutshell, Cat's Eye is about uh, the three Kisugi sisters, or uh, Shamade Shamade sisters in French. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Eldest is Rui, uh, who's Celia in French. The middle sister is Hitomi, who's Tamara in French, and the youngest sister is I, who is uh, Alexa in or Alexia in French. Uh, they're skilled strategists, con artists, uh, gymnasts, martial artists, and cybernetics experts. Uh, and they use those skills to basically uh, commit art thievery at night while wearing leotards. Uh, and they're extremely good at it. Uh, what they're not good at is being discreet. Uh, because <laughs> as, as thieves, they go under the name Cat's Eye. During the day, they run a uh, coffee shop, which is also oper- operating under the name Cat's Eye. And you, you may be wondering how they could possibly not get caught. Well, when you meet the detective who is in charge of catching Cat's Eye, <laughs> it, uh, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Toshio Tsumi, who, uh, his name is Quentin in the French version, yes. uh, from, from what I've seen, uh, is unbelievably stupid. Astoundingly stupid. Um, and his, his antics take up a, uh, make up a very large portion of this show. Um, so not only is he in charge of catching Cat's Eye, uh, he's actually dating one of them. Specifically, uh, Hitomi, uh, and he is completely incapable of even considering the possibility that there's a connection between these sisters and the thieves that he is trying to catch. He even explicitly points out in the first episode that he is complaining that they would have the gall to call their cafe or their, their coffee shop Cat's Eye when he has to catch thieves under the same name. And like, it just, it never clicks with him at any point at all. <laughs> Yeah, this is one of the reasons why I kind of describe it as a sitcom, because this feels like such a sitcom-y thing, like, oh man, it sure is weird that they have a cafe called Cat's Eye. Like, the same, hmm. the same logo, even. Yeah. It's, it's, wow. it's, pretty, it's pretty close, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and not only that, they actually kind of use him to aid them in their crimes. because oh, they, all the time. They, all the time they, yeah. they, they leave these elaborate custom calling cards around, which double as weapons, because those things are, are pretty much bladed and made of metal, and they just throw them at walls all the time. And, you know, as, as, is, the, uh, as is the cliche, they leave calling cards uh, that are signed with their, with, their, with their name Cat's Eye, hence the French title, Signed Cat's Eye. And basically, they they announce the crime. They give Toshio enough time to give them details on how the police are going to try to catch them, or things they may have overlooked in trying to plan their caper. And then they adjust their plan <laughs> in order to pull it off. I mean, again, there's kind of a symbiotic relationship going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like, good for Hitomi for finding someone who's like, you know. He's got a great job. It's, uh, you know, consistent because, you know, obviously they're not going anywhere. Yeah. And, you know, he's not hard on the eyes. So, and he's just really, you know, dumb and fall for yeah. everything. So she's just like, oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you, um, there's not much. Uh, th- in most episodes, you don't really see much of any other kind of basis for the relationship either. They're, they're usually like fighting or, She's yeah, mostly like but... <laughs> any any time they have like a, a a nice little like episode together, it's always just her going like, ah, oh that Toshi, I, you know, and like in my mind, I'm I I feel like she's thinking like, at least you're cute, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get to the other characters later. Um, I I think one important thing is just to mention our own backgrounds with the show, Spe- specifically Chris. 
Um, I, I was hoping you could talk a little more. Obviously, I I can only do so much research on this, but you you did see the show when it I, on, I watched on, the show yes. on Radio so Canada, I, and I wanted to know if you can tell us just kind of your experience watching it as a kid, or how how you kind of got into it. Right. Well, so I I watched it twice. Uh, the first time I watched it was in obviously in Radio Canada, but uh, I was like. My first time watching it was like I was really young, right? And I, I used to watch it for my older sister. Okay. And uh, obviously, well, obviously, the show was kind of heavily censored, which I I didn't find out until much later. Yeah. Oh, but <laughs> yeah, um, but there's still like you know like because obviously it's like three girls running in leotards. There used to be like really sexy moments, and uh, so what my sister would do is she would like cover my eyes. You know? <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and to me, it, it didn't register that oh, maybe maybe it's something I, I probably like shouldn't watch that young, you know. <laughs> there's, something, yeah, uh, there's something about this cartoon that makes it different from the other cartoons. I can't yeah. quite put my finger on it though. Quite, yeah, what, what could it possibly be? <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely unlike Goldorak, it definitely like didn't have much of an impact. And I and I'm going to, to suspect that. Probably a lot of parents didn't let their kids watch that show because it, it wasn't something like we we like talk about, you know. Well, my generation didn't really talk about this this show yeah. very much. Yeah, I think you would have caught like the second because it ran once in the late eighties, then again in the yes. early nineties. I'm guessing it's yes, the early nineties yes. run yes, that yes. you caught, but still, it's not. It, it, it wasn't the subject of of schoolyard chatter. Uh, no, I'm guessing. Not really. Yeah, kids aren't going to talk about this like they do Dragon Ball or Sailor right, Moon or something. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But my but my my second time watching it though, well, I was much older, uh, and uh, I was I watched I watched it in in, in well I lived in Benin and I also like traveled to France so, so I it, it aired on a channel called Manga, mm-hmm. which was basically a channel that would air anime twenty four seven. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. It's still still running now. I think it's, it's still a pretty, running it's a now. Yeah. Channel. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Uh, so as, as a almost teenager, when I watched it, uh, let's just say that, uh, again, three girls running in the Utah was very enlightening. <laughs> I, I'm guessing, <laughs> yeah. was, I'm guessing overall this was like most of the, even the other anime that aired on Radio Canada, it was usually like world masterpiece theater or, yes. uh, or yes. similar was, shows. So this, uh, this one probably really stood out oh, yeah, on yeah, their yeah. lineup, I'm assuming. Oh, it was, it was very different. Yeah. Very much. I found it kind of weird that it aired like two years after it aired in in France because you know it almost seemed like they got it as a package deal with something else, um, or just because they they were short on content or something. I'm not really sure. Um, but and and also uh, I think as I mentioned before, Radio Canada only aired the first season, so first I don't know if it's because uh, they just you know getting the second season just didn't work into their licensing strategy or they had complaints. Or I can't help but they, think it's probably the complaints. Yeah. Well, I mean, what was yeah. the, but you mentioned you, you, you saw a bit of it in, was it, it was, you didn't see it in France when it first aired, right? No, I did not. No. Oh yeah. So, so the, the interesting thing uh, is um, when I caught it in France, the ad edited the opening as in, uh, so, so there's like, I guess three versions of the opening. There's the uncut opening version. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the censored version of that, the first opening. And then what, uh, when I got it the second time, what they did is basically they just com- they completely changed that. Yeah. They, they basically took scenes from the first episode 
and yeah. they, they spliced it together to make an opening. I believe mm. that's that's the version that aired on Radio Canada, right? With the spliced I, opening. Yes. I had I had I had some videos of it. Uh, someone sent me some some record uh, some recordings. Um, yeah, I think when it my understanding I I don't know if I've pieced this narrative together because I, I I rely on Google Translate a lot when I when I do research on this stuff. Um, my understanding is that when it first aired in France, it had the openings it had were similar to the original Japanese openings, which yes. are uh, very very sexualized. Um, right. but then when it, in subsequent airings in France, they, they did more of a clip show opening. Yeah, uh, and I believe that is the version that, that aired here. Yes. Yeah. But also I've gathered that this show was quite popular, uh, in France. I think it did air during, uh, during the Club Dorothée, um, block, which actually, could you, could you explain Club, Club Dorothée? You could probably do a better job of it than right. me. Uh, basically Club Dorothée was, uh, an afternoon, it's, it's basically like the zone, like if anybody remembers the zone, yes, <laughs> it's basically like we the all zone. remember the zone. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's basically like the zone, but uh, for friends. And what they would do is they would air like a lot of uh, they would air a lot of uh, Japanese cartoons, but also like would do like a lot of skits. Uh, they would sing like Dorothy, who used to host the show, like became like a, a, a phenomenal sensation. Yeah. She even appeared in like two episodes of uh, Cameron Rider, I believe. Because, oh really? Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, like her. her her popularity in France uh, got uh, people in Japan got wind of that, oh, so they they wow. asked her to come to play in two episodes of Kamen Rider. I forget oh, which wow. one. I think I think it's Kamen Rider Black. But yeah, she was she I was. I want to see that. <laughs> the, yeah, it was she was the phenomenon, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it it, it aired during that block. And uh, do you remember like kind of what the censorship was like? I know that you like you can only censor this show so much. Uh, um, but I mean, compared to something like Goldorak, though, which you know doesn't really need a lot of censorship, there there was like a fair bit of gun violence and, and nudity and stuff in this show. Right. Uh, I I think. Uh, I mean, from what I remember, the the dub also was kind of censored a lot. Uh-huh. Um, just just from the way that the the characters talked, uh, you could tell it was aimed for a, a younger audience. Uh-huh. So, because uh, um, Toshio just. I mean, yes, he is dumb, <laughs> but the conversation he would have with um, with Hitomi were like so um, devoid of like proper meaning, which is how I think they censored it, because it was really like stupid conversations that you wouldn't you wouldn't hear um, in the the Japanese version. What what I've read about? Okay, so sorry. Um, with Cat's Eye, I know it was popular enough in France that they actually licensed City Hunter and also yes. aired it during Club Dorothée, and that was that show is quite n- was notoriously quite heavily censored. As, as I've mentioned on the show before, usually these French dubs are even when they're censored, they're still intact enough that when they eventually do uncut DVD releases, they still use the same dub. But it really depends on the show. I, I don't know yeah. if you've heard about the uh, Fist of the North Star dub. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's similar because with the with, with Fist of the North Star, what they did is like you, you can only censor that show so much. So mm-hmm. what they did as censorship a lot of the time was undermine it by making the du- the dub script just com- by punching up the dub script to be completely ridiculous, um, <laughs> and honestly pretty un- inauthentic. And they did something similar with. City Hunter, which they called Nikki Larson yes. when it aired in France. Because, yes. again, you can only censor the show so much. 
Um, but if you can, you can still undermine a lot of the tension and what's going on on screen if you give it ridiculous, hammy, over the top voice acting. Voice acting which, is, which is what they did for Cat's Eye as well. Cat's Eye, okay, yeah. And it's kind of puzzling that they even licensed those shows to begin with if they wanted to do that, but, um, I'm, I'm, I, th- I think Club Dorothy, much more so than Radio Canada's, uh, like, uh, Saturday morning lineup. Uh, I think, I think they were, they were intent on pushing boundaries, uh, a lot of the time. A lot like, a lot like Toonami was, um, in the United States back in the early 2000s. I, I don't know about, uh, CT Enter or, um, I guess I specifically, but mm. I know that a lot of the censor from, like, again, from the Fizz of the North Star, uh, actually came from the voice actors who were against violence so much yeah. that that's, that's Ooh. the only way they agreed to come and dub the show. Yeah, they needed a paycheck in the end. Right. So, um, that's interesting, though. I've never yeah. heard of uh, it being a case of, like, the actors didn't want to do specific oh, yeah. lines. That's that's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, keep in mind, the Fre- French voice actors have a lot of clout because they, you know, they, do, they dub Hollywood movies as well. So mm. they're mm-hmm. heavily they, they must have voices, a yeah. way better union than the voice actors here. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about France here, so yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see uh, the French version of of uh, City Hunters or oh, yeah. Larson? Yeah, that that's how I I got into the show. Yeah, and how did you watch it? Did you just like get? Did you see it uh, when you were abroad or? Uh, yeah, yeah, I watched it in yeah. Benin on TV oh, okay. again on, on manga. So um, yeah, uh, I. Again, it's it's another show I, I didn't realize was heavily censored until until I started reading the manga, which was yeah. a, uh, <laughs> it was it was that that was not the the Rio I I was used to. Well, it's interesting because in France they actually just last year they released a, their own live action yes. City Hunter in the Key Larson movie, yeah, um, which. <laughs> As, as like watching the trailer, you can definitely see how people associate that franchise. I've only seen the trailer. I don't know right. what the movie is like. Um, you can you can definitely see how people associate uh, that franchise purely with slapstick and yes, yeah. and physical phys- and uh, physical comedy and and humor and stuff in France. Um, whereas if you were you know the 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 Chinese and like Korean City Hunter live actions, they take a completely different approach to. You know, they're nothing. They're really nothing like the comic, but they they embrace a certain other aspect of the aesthetic, whereas France uses it in a completely different way. Oh, yeah. um, so it's just interesting how like the localization has has kind of fueled it. But it was it was phenomenally popular. I think Nicolas it was, was, was because was, because it, I mean Rio was a really cool character. You know, he was charming, he was goofy, but you know, I, I think all the kids like watched that and wanted to pretend to be Rio also. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, hopefully they learned the right lesson. <laughs> the French, like, yeah. the, the French, uh, the French version helped them imitate him in a appropriate way. Um, <laughs> yeah, and also just back to the cat's eye censorship was like, uh, like obviously each they could they they could only cut so much from each episode, and I don't think they would have had like a lot of digital editing technology back then. Yeah. It's like you you have stuff like. You know, they have that painting in the the cafe with that with that woman's ass very prominent. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like that, like they, I don't, I can't see how they could have cut that out. Uh, I, um, I mean, I think, I guess because it's like art. Yeah. So it, All it right, that makes sense. Be censored. I, yeah. Actually, there's some there's some nudity in the like some of the paintings they steal as well. I'm assuming that slipped through just because it's. Oh like, yeah, it's absolutely, art. absolutely. It's by, absolutely. Yeah, it's standard. art. Yeah. So yeah. like, Sorry. oh, it's fine, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, did you have anything else to add on on that, Chris? Uh, no. I mean, uh, so, so while 
uh, the other thing, like, again, like I said, they would like be sexy moments. Uh, what they would usually do is like, maybe like darken the, oh, the yeah, image, yeah. Which, which, which is something that you can actually see if you watch the first opening. That, that yeah. the, the one that they use the Japanese version of, which, okay. which is interesting because you can see, you can still see forms, yeah. but you're like, huh, what could it possibly be? <laughs> it's like, th- that, that is definitely a nipple in the opening. For yes. Sure. And in the second yes. opening too. Oh yeah. Dawn, did you want to, uh, talk about your own kind of background with, uh, with Catside before we, we kind of move on to the background of the show? Sure. Well, my background with Cat's Eye is not nearly as, uh, in depth, uh, yeah. I first saw Cat's Eye, um, I had to think about it, but I'm pretty sure the first time I ever saw anything related to Cat's Eye was at a 90s comic convention, uh, anime showing, and it was unsubtitled. It was just a raw episode in Japanese, so I had oh. no idea what was going on. Uh, I, the, for the first, like, probably year after i saw it i assumed cat's eye had to do with uh, aerobics instructors um <laughs> <laughs> uh, just leaning off of the opening and the ending i was like yeah. oh uh, they're aerobics instructors i think maybe <laughs> um but i really liked the the style and the music was really cool and it seemed really like i was like oh they're kind of like uh, like you were saying, like Charlie's Angels sort of characters, it seems like, you know, I, I was having to sort of like pick it out um, on my own because obviously like back then in the 90s, it, I, you couldn't just look up like, what was this thing that I saw? Uh, what's it about? Who did it? Um, so it wasn't until like a couple years later, I found out uh, someone had fan subs some of it and I had a couple of episodes on tape and I thought it was uh way cooler actually once i realized oh they're not uh aerobics instructors <laughs> <laughs> i mean if, I like, if okay. they were aerobics if they were aerobics instructors by day and thieves by night i think i mean i, I think that's an interesting dynamic yes. i mean that yes. would be like <laughs> 80s anime right there honestly uh because i know aerobics stuff was like super 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 popular back in the 80s mm. cuz you know i lived through it everyone had like arm warmers and like warmers and leotards mm. and all that stuff um, but, uh, I never saw all of Cat's Eye, uh, for years because it was just like, you know, it's such a long series and back then you can only get maybe if it was low quality, you could get like maybe four episodes per VHS tape. Um, and I don't think even when people were fan subbing it back in the day, that they finished all of it just because it's so long and it wasn't nearly as popular as city hunter, which like everyone wanted to watch city hunter. Uh, yeah. not as, many, not as many people really cared about cat's eye, even though it was like kind of the cooler, sexier, uh, more mature, but not by much, uh, <laughs> thing. Connected that's, that, to city that's, hunter. that's debatable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. City um, hunter was in all the AMVs. Right. Right. Yeah, and everyone yeah. just really loved city hunter. So I never got to see all of it. Um, I did actually get to see more of it, uh, back in the early two thousands. Uh, some of it aired on the international channel here in America, which oh, got right. renamed to, um, imagination. Imagination. <laughs> And yeah, it is, now, it is now Asian television. Right. Yeah. Um, and I caught some random episodes like here and there. Uh, it was on cable and like the programming was just very like uh, whatever they felt like. So it was never uh, I never could remember when exactly it was on because they kept changing stuff like all the time. 
Um, I didn't even know that they put it out on DVD, uh, until like it was already like basically unavailable, uh, because yeah. I think you could only order it online. And back then it was like still kind of difficult to like order things online. Like we didn't have like as, as easy of like checkouts and things. Yeah. Like, and and it was not, it was not Nozomi doing the DVDs at this point. It no. Was, no. Imagination it was, themselves were putting yes. it out. And oh, I wow. think yeah. they only managed to put out like, I think, there was only ever maybe three DVDs available or something like that. Yeah. Um, so like those are incredibly rare now if you actually ever had them <laughs> because they were like mail order only. Uh, they were never like in a store, <laughs> I don't think. Uh-huh. Um, but it wasn't until Nozomi bought the rights that I was like, Oh cool. Now I can finally like watch all of cat's eye. Um, and they had all of it streaming on their YouTube page for a time. So that's how I saw it initially. Um, I bought the first box set and I thought I had bought the second box set, but I apparently did not. And, uh, that was the one that sold out like immediately when Nozomi got the license, uh, well announced that they lost the license. So sadly I only will ever have the first box set unless somebody, some brave soul out there licenses the uh, series again and puts it out on Blu-ray, which like I would totally love. I'm just putting that out there in case anyone's listening. <laughs> um, but yeah, I always was really interested in Cat's Eye because I just thought for the time that it came out, it was like really cool. Like it had multiple women of multiple ages uh, and they all didn't sound like, the female characters like how they usually are in like a Japanese version like they usually sound like really young they have like young voice actresses yeah um most of the voice actresses involved they actually had like mature kind of older sounding voices I, I think this has to be the one of the only like weekly shonen jump shows where the main character is a 24 year old woman or a yeah, they're not a nice class yeah. yeah and uh, 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 from like a female perspective, I thought it was really cool that like even though this show was tech or the series in general was technically like a Shonen Jump title, it didn't feel like a Shonen Jump title. Uh-huh. Uh, it was you know it could have easily been something that was in like a women's magazine or a girls magazine, and yeah. it wasn't until um, a couple years ago uh, a friend of mine actually got me a copy of um, if you go to Japan and you go to the Shonen Jump. Uh, store and the Shonen Jump exhibit, they sell these books uh, that are basically like Shonen Jump encyclopedias. And they go through like every single series that ever ran in Shonen Jump. And um, they're also in English. They're, they're dual language. They're printed in oh. both English and Japanese. So they're like really cool resources. I wish they were sold online because they are super, super interesting and fun to read, but you can only buy them at the Shonen Jump store, which is kind yeah. of annoying. Um, but the there's an interview with Tsukasa Hojo in the 80s volume, which is like volume one, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, he talks about how he started out actually writing uh, girls manga. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man, I wonder if this was like a title that like he originally like tried to come up with for like maybe a girls serial. Oh, and- yeah. Nobody wanted it, and then he tried to pitch it to Shonen Jump as like, ooh, sexy cat burglar ladies, and they were like, <laughs> yes, that, give us that. I feel like that would be something that girls would like totally be into. 
down the line, we did get a lot of uh, shoujo manga that centered around, like, a magical girl who was also, like, a thief. Like, we had Saint Tail, we had Kamikaze Kaito Jean, uh, like, all those, like, similar ones where the the main character was uh, a thief and her rival, but also her love interest was, like, a, you know, a junior police officer right, or right. You know, something like that. Yeah. So very, very inspired by stuff like cat's eyes so that i feel like had a big impact enough to where even like girls comics were like oh yeah Yeah. that sounds fun like that's really cool that that actually raises an interesting point uh chris do you recall when like when you were watching cat's eye on like radio canada like do you did you have any sense of what i know you said you were watching with your sister like was it were they targeting it at girls or boys or was it really clear I, I'll be honest. I do not remember. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm I'm very curious about that. I was that's something yeah. I wasn't able to really find in the research. So yeah. uh, I'm not. I again, it raises questions of what angle they were taking. I think there's a lot of ways <laughs> they could have done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought it was funny that um, Sukasa Hojo also um, he said when he was doing the manga for Cat's Eye that uh, everyone was always telling him he was drawing women wrong <laughs> like oh. <laughs> uh he was like you know people would say oh their eyes are too big uh their faces are too big uh you have to change them to be more appealing to like i guess the shonen jump audience and so now he's always like talking about how he kind of hates drawing women now because it's just way easier to draw old men <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think in general, for a lot of artists, drawing men is easier than drawing women. Which is so funny because I hear a lot of like women artists say like, "Oh, I I much prefer drawing women than I do men." <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of weird uh, oh. in that regard. I I thought it was really interesting that Cat's Eye was just like this huge thing in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the it was really popular. The soundtracks were really popular. Uh, but like it just never hit with like American fans or uh, English speaking fans, I guess I should say, uh, as hard as it did in Japan. But City Hunter, for some reason, like everyone uh, back when I was younger, like all the anime fans were just like really, really into City Hunter. And we're, we're talking um, like pre ADV licensing City Hunter. Oh, yes. Pre, yeah, yeah. This was this was like pre everything being licensed yeah. uh, from my professional standpoint this was back in like the fan fans of the we're talking days. like mid mid 90s or yeah like, mid yeah. 90s uh mid to late mid to 90s, late 90s i think yeah yeah um because i think it got licensed in like the early 2000s i want to say like, uh it, it came like, like really late and i don't know if like it ever really sold that much for adv it must have sold decently enough because they just kept putting it out um but i feel like uh, after a certain point, like most anime fans had either moved on or the ones who were old enough to be like, oh yeah, City Hunter weren't really like into anime anymore. Mm. Uh, there wasn't like a whole lot of them. I think a lot of us older fans that had kind of stuck around just bought City Hunter out of obligation because we were like, well, we got all those VHS fan sub tapes. Now we got to buy this because, think, you know, we made that promise. It I never got whole, licensed. I think the whole time span you're describing there uh, is still before 80s nostalgia had really emerged. Oh, um, for sure. I, I think I think for a lot of that time, City Hunter was still kind of seen as something old rather than something mm-hmm. that was a throwback to like an aesthetic we appreciate more now. Right. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Because now, now, like, if you look on, 
like, say, Tumblr, for example, uh, a lot of uh, City Hunter gifts and images in that, like, 80s anime tag, yeah. like, people love the aesthetic of it. Aste- and aesthetic blogs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yes. Like, because every time I, because my podcast has a Tumblr, uh, every time I tweet, or tweet, uh, every time I blog or reblog something that has to do with city hunter people love it they're they're just like ah beautiful uh and you see a lot of um what's it like uh future funk and vaporwave uh music videos with uh city hunter gifts integrated into it because it has that kind of aesthetic that uh people who are because like the future funk and city pop and vaporwave stuff is like super huge right now especially with uh young uh, anime fans because they just really love the look and the feel of it. Which ironically, the artist who did the cat's eye theme, uh, Ari, mm-hmm. uh, she is like hugely sampled in that, uh, whole, um, scene. Like feature funk and city pop, uh, remixers like adore her work. So, uh, I think cat's oh. eye kind of also got a, sort of a small following with those types of people who just like really love that aesthetic because yeah. it is very much that yeah. uh, like, especially like the, the openings and stuff, you just watch them and you're like, Oh, this is like such a look, yeah. you know, that is it's interesting. It's not as strong in cat's eye as in the city hunter. I'd say, I think it's not, but yeah. it's still there. And, um, and people like, you know, Love that stuff, especially like I was saying, like the the aerobics instructor sort of look to uh-huh. uh, their outfits. That's like so 80s. So like everyone's just yes. like, oh, this is so 80s, <laughs> so aesthetic. Oh, I love it. Like you know, kids can't get enough of that. But yeah, Ari is especially the 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 album that Cat's Eye is on, which I believe is called Timely. Like that specific album, I hear remixed so often now. Mm, like. Okay. It's really, really popular. And I don't even think a lot of people who listen to that stuff even might know <laughs> who she is, but they hear it and they're like, oh, yeah, this is so great. Which, I mean, it's true. Her music is, like, super great. That's why they, you know, uh, chose it for, yeah. for, the, uh, for the series. I think the majority of people who listen to that stuff don't know what any of that stuff is actually sourced from. No. Um, I think there's a, I, I think a lot of, a lot of, I think a lot of the appeal is the lack of context for the, that's true. Yes. That's true. Yeah. I know there is there there are people who do go out of their way to try to like find like what's this connected to. Uh, I know when that whole scene started really hitting big, my Tumblr got flooded with people asking me like, "Hey, do you know what this gif is from?" And they would link me like uh, a city pop or a future funk video or a uh, future funk video, and they it would be like you know a random like Kimagure Orange Road thing or a city hunter thing or you know just some random like 80s anime and i would tell them and they'd be like oh my god thank you and then they would go try to find it or something <laughs> that's very interesting see that i i never considered the 90s nostalgia thing because uh, uh growing up again i i had manga which was airing anime 24 7 and like radio canada so i i've been watching like old anime i guess like my entire life so to me that's just Normal aesthetics, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, 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 like it's like you you, you know what all this stuff is from. So yeah, like like uh, having it assembled together in like a a, th- a throwback aesthetic prob- might not work for you the same way it does with some younger people who who like you know f- to them this whole look and feel is is something alien. Alien, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. something just completely like different and romantic that like you know 
they're like, oh, what is this? You know, I've never seen anything like this before. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, it's because it's, I love this. Yeah. it's, it's, it's so, uh, you know, throwbacky and it's so vintage and, uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Oh, I love this. It's amazing. Yeah. But I have had people come to me and say like, oh, I, I started, you know, watching, you know, old anime and stuff because I saw things like this and it really appealed to me. Uh, which I thought was like interesting. Like there's this whole like small, uh, cachet of, uh, younger people who simply got into old anime because they saw it on an aesthetic blog or a video and they were like, Oh, I love the look of this. This is so yeah. cool. Huh. You know, the power wow. of, uh, the internet and music, I guess. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's kind of like this generation's version of AMVs. They're like, Ooh, what's yeah. this? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. How do you guys feel about just from an animation perspective, uh, just about this show, like as a production or how well it holds up or how well it was just in terms of uh, contemporary stuff that came out at the time? I always really liked it because the women in the series look more mature. They look their age, uh-huh. basically, is what I should say. Uh, you know, whereas like a lot of anime, like uh, they take liberties with things like, you know, the yeah. way that. Like, oh, this girl, she's, like, 16, and she looks like, you know, maybe she's, like, 19, which is a little, like, uh, strange at times, where you're just like, oh, wait, you're actually supposed to be way younger. That's, yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I very I looks like a 16-year-old girl. Hitomi yeah. looks like a girl in her early 20s. Rui looks yes. like a girl in her late 20s. Yeah, yeah so yeah. It, it was, I think that was one of well, the reasons. Women in her that, late 20s, sorry. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that was one of the reasons that it kind of, like, appealed to me, because I was like, I don't see women and girls in anime that look like this. This is mm-hmm. very different. And I think that was also one of the reasons I really liked uh, City Hunter later. I was like, you know, this looks more grounded in, like, a style that's, a little bit more realistic than I'm used to, which is interesting and kind of neat. I, say, I think more basically the same thing for me. One of the reasons I really got into City Hunter and like, well, Cat's Eyes as well, is because it was it was refreshing to have main characters that were adults, basically, mm-hmm. uh, compared to all the other anime where it's just usually high schoolers, which I could not really relate to, you know. But it was it was really nice to see like adults doing adults thing. It was it was more serious. It was it was it was different. What I found interesting about the show is that it kind of captures both sides. It was made by TMS, as I mentioned before, um, mm-hmm. and it kind of captures both sides of what you see from TMS. I know that when we we talk about TMS productions, we we think of you know like the elaborate animated set pieces in Lupin and like. Animaniacs and DuckTales, their outsourced work, or the new Fruits Basket anime, which they've also done, which is like a phenomenal production, um, at least the five episodes that have come out so far. Mm-hmm. But th- the thing about TMS is that they also, there's another side of TMS where they just kind of crank stuff out, um, <laughs> like almost as much, almost as, uh, as badly as Toei does at times. There's like, you know, you have the Rose of Versailles and Space Adventure Cobra side of TMS, or the, like the Cyber Six side of TMS, and then you have the Detective yeah, Conan and you know less ambitious episodes of Lupin side of uh, of TMS as well. So like in in terms of like the aesthetic, I found Cat's Eye on the surface kind of looks. It's a lot of emphasis put on the details and the way the characters are portrayed and uh, and characterized, and you know again how how they 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 they, they capture the type of people they're supposed to represent, but when you actually see the whole thing play out, um, you kind of see a lot of the other side of TMS where 
it's uh the animation is pretty stilted um the plots are pretty repetitive i know the the composition was done by junichi ioka Uh, he was the story editor for all of detective conan and a lot of the lupon productions so you know guy who can really crank him out yeah there's a lot of stories that like repeat itself in in cat's eye like there's a lot of uh oh no there's this other person or persons pretending to be cat's eye and now we have to like prove that they're not the real cat's eye and that we are or or, oh tosha was hitting on a woman and then it turns out the woman is actually Hitomi in disguise, Hitomi, yes, which happens, yes, yes. I think, at least three times. So many times. Um, there, there's also the, the the ongoing, like, oh, no, uh, we're supposed to be here, but Cat's Eye's supposed to be there. And so we have to prove we're not Cat's Eye by, like, being in two places at once. Uh, so we have to figure out how to do that. And it's always, like, some, uh, you know, just, like, unbelievable... Uh, sort of like bait and switch that they managed to pull off at the last minute, um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and so that gets like repeated yeah. like a whole lot. Uh, or, you know, oh, Toshi's gonna find out that one of us is really cat's eye. Oh, no. no, we won't. No, we won't. <laughs> but no, we won't at the last minute. <laughs> because I, he's I, so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never read the original manga. How, do, does anybody know like how, um, so the actual, Faithful. I mean, the, the basic idea is the same, but a lot of the individual stories are different. In terms of the overarching, so there is an overarching story that it kind of explains why they're stealing artwork. Uh, it's yes. because their their father, Michael Hines, was an art collector, and he was basically run out by the Nazis. Right. Um, visited Japan uh, with just enough time to to have three children with a woman, and then leave. Uh, and basically the three women are, tr- they're trying to find their father and they believe the key is, um, searching for all of his, uh, all of his artwork or that he owned, which is now, it's not really clear how it all became scattered, but they're signing stuff, they're finding stuff that he owned that has a signature on it and collecting it all. They, they have it all in like this w- big warehouse. Like it comes up a couple times in the series, uh, near the end of the first season, there is a, uh, a, a small arc where they d- delve a little bit more into it. Um, it does not come up at all in the second season. Season two has no plot progress whatsoever. The whole thing is filler. And it's an assortment of stuff that's taken from the manga and stuff that um, was original for the anime. Oh, uh, if you Now, if you go on Wikipedia, you will see a two-paragraph summary for the overarching storyline of Cat's Eye. That's really all there is to it. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, and then there's, there is, a like... There's a final arc in the manga that goes back to the Heinz thing. It kind of explores it, but again, they don't actually find him. It doesn't. The whole thing doesn't really go anywhere. Um, that two paragraph summary you find on Wikipedia. That's again, that's all there is to it. Really. That's all. Yeah. Um, right. So yeah, there's there's different stories in the manga, but it's uh, it's it, it's ultimately, you know, uh, it's pretty similar. Pretty similar stories vary. There are different stories, kind of like with City Hunter. I know with City Hunter, they would often expand stories. They would often contract stories. Sometimes they would they would tone tone the City Hunter stories down a little bit for um for 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 censorship. I know with the first City Hunter episode, um they changed it so in the manga it was like a rapist who was capturing women in his BMW and driving off with them. In the anime, they changed it so he just randomly shot women, which makes no sense whatsoever. And yet mm-hmm. they ramped up 
Rio's sexually assaulting women all the time, which really throws into question the, the priorities of the censorship they, they implemented there. Yeah, it was but, yeah. <laughs> a lot of just like, hmm, choices, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but, um, but yeah, so it's, it's th- th- those kind of small modifications, but it's the same idea. You don't get the conclusion that's in the cat sign manga because it just kind of stops after a certain point. The last, the last episode of the series, I didn't, I didn't watch the whole, I watched the whole first season because that's what aired on Radio Canada. I only watched yeah. a few random episodes from, from the second season. Um, the final episode is, uh, it's something else because I is basically writing a play that essentially exposes the fact that they are cat's eye and they, I encourage you to check it out if you can. It's uh, it's pretty wild, and it it ends reaffirming that uh, Toshio has less than no idea. That, oh, uh, yeah, he's an like yeah. idiot. Yeah, he never he never figures out in the manga either. Um, I think they they tell him he does find out in the end, but not because he figures it out because he told yeah they tell him they tell him they admit it to him yeah. And I, and I haven't read that chapter, but I suspect he doesn't entirely believe it, even when they do. Um, I did notice there was a lot of difference between the first season and second season. Uh, there was a break between them in Japan, but uh, they actually changed staff almost entirely. Well, not entirely, but the director changed. Um, yeah. And uh, the character designs changed. They made some small modifications. I said before that the first season seems really stilted, but the second season they modify it just a little bit so it animates it doesn't not necessarily that it animates a little better but there's a better sense of we have these um detailed character designs um just how to compose a shot how to edit or how to compose a cut how to edit a cut so that you don't bring attention to the fact that the animation is really stilted but it still seems like really vibrant mm-hmm. uh and uh the first season was directed by Yoshio Takeuchi uh he was one of the uh, he, he did a bunch of, T, a bunch of TMS stuff. Um, he was one of the, one of the dir- many directors handling Attack Number One. Um, which I think oh. that, that was like one of those shows that didn't really have a chief director and was kind of, I, I think it was like a little chaotic behind the scenes. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Um, and he, he also did work outside of TMS. He did the Oishinbo, uh, TV series, perhaps most importantly. Um, yeah, but uh, in the second season, uh, they, uh, they actually, that's when they hired on Kenji Kodama, who is the, He's pretty much known as the City Hunter guy now because he went on mm-hmm. to do City Hunter with with Sunrise after. Yep. Um, you know, he he really nailed down that whole approach to having a detailed style or he- heavily stylized um, approach to a detailed modern setting and in anime and still making it look good and not feel stilted. Uh, and you see that really grow fantastically in in City Hunter. And of course, City Hunter was like a big influence on so many later shows, like like Cowboy Bebop and stuff as well. Oh yeah, for sure. And he uh, also directed Kakaishi, uh, which oh. I, that aired on Adult Swim, didn't it? Uh, did it? Yeah, I think it did. Oh. Back in that back back in the in the in like the the gap between Toonami ended on. When Toonami ended on Cartoon Network and before it started on Adult Swim, kind of that right. kind of that dead zone. Whatever, that's not important. It, yeah, it's it de- it definitely interesting to see how it evolves a little bit uh, over that time. But yeah, ultimately, it's uh, despite having a little bit of aesthetic improvement over time, it still kind of doesn't. It's the show is kind of the same thing over and over again. Oh, and we haven't we haven't talked about Asatani yet either. Oh, Asatani. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, who like oh, I feel okay. like she's like she has more of an idea of what's going on I feel like but she respects supposedly <laughs> but I feel like she respects their uh, 
the way that they pull everything off so much. She respects their smarts and their their cunning and uh, just the way that they put everything together that she's just like, okay, <laughs> like, you I know, get it. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like, you know, she still has to keep going because of her job. And at some point she feels like her pride uh, wants her to keep going and try to keep getting cat's eye. But I feel like part of her also probably knows that they're, they are cat's eye despite them like proving it. She figured it out immediately. Yeah. Not, not because she's a genius, but because she's not an idiot. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) She's definitely smart. But just because they keep like proving her wrong to the contrary, she's just like, all right, I'll play along with this, I guess. I mean, the, (laughs) the, the first time I developed, um, entirely convincing and realistic animatronics of human beings to, <laughs> to convince her that uh, that they were not cat's eye. Made by so, a 16-year-old. By a 16-year-old. Yes. Oh my um, god, an episode. And you have that on one end, and then you have the likes of Toshio on the other end. Uh, <laughs> that, contract is, that contrast is... Um, astounding to say yes i feel like Uh, she just has like this respect for them that she's like okay y'all are like really good at this um so like i'll keep playing this game because i feel like she just likes that the the whole like cat and mouse thing um but yeah it's totally different from (laughs) from how uh toshi works like completely different it's a bit inconsistent because i mean she, she basically has it figured out and she just you know, she needs to collect the evidence, mm-hmm. which comes up like a couple times. She just randomly like, oh, I have finally have proof that he told me his cat's eye. I need to collect evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was one of the most memorable parts in the show is when she actually uh, manages to tackle he told me now. And she bites her and then chases her back to the cat's eye cafe to, to expose the bite mark to prove <laughs> that she is in fact she is in fact cat's eye or part of cat's eye. And they, she actually runs into her while she's in the bath and like, show me your arm, prove that you're, you're not cat's eye. And then it turns out that she had actually bit her leg by mistake, uh, and, and, and didn't remember properly. So I, I don't know if that's a fact of her not actually wanting to catch her or no, I think, I, I think Asatani is not quite as smart as she lets on a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> Asatani is, is merely competent. She she wishes she was Penny from uh, Inspector Gadget. Yeah, she, pretty much. <laughs> she she's kind of like the huh, I I don't know if I want to say the Zenigata to their Lupin, uh, oh. but she she yeah. proves she proves more of a challenge than than, than, <laughs> than everyone else does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they're usually like, oh, we gotta figure out how to convince Asatani that we're not cat's eye. That's gonna be a little harder. <laughs> She's used more often as for someone to accuse Toshio of having a crush on, which never really made any sense to me. She'd always be like, oh, I bet you're, you're, you're thinking about Asatani or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are you, why are you honing in on her? That doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. If anything, uh, he's, she, they're competing with themselves, honestly, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. he seems to have this romantic sort of like, uh, uh, notion of like who cat's eye must be, uh, from his, brief encounters with <laughs> and it's always hitomi it's always it's all, her yeah. that he that he ends up like you know accidentally uh almost catching or accidentally groping or you know whatever it's always he, her or getting he, stuck in a getting stuck in a giant safe <laughs> 
probably point out they the police believe cat's eye is only one person. They don't even realize that it's three people. Um, yeah, which is crazy right, because yeah. there are times when they're all literally <laughs> yeah. all of them are together and they still, for some reason, think it's one person. Yeah, and that, that's the other thing about about um, Toshio is like not only is he just really bad at his job and stupid in 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 many respects, um, like he has been dating Hitomi since high school, and. Uh, like they have apparently, and he's they're like they're 24 now, and they've apparently never even kissed or even embraced each other in a in a That's manner that right. is even remotely amorous. Um, which is probably why he he gropes Cat's Eye constantly and does not <laughs> like it doesn't jog anything. Which is you know in this type of show you'd think that that would be enough to to jog someone's memory. In many shows, that's exactly what would uh, expose yeah, someone. Yeah, that, that would be the uh, thing, like, oh, no, like, uh, I, I, I felt her hand, mood. or yeah. I, you know, like, instantly I knew, you know, or or hearing her voice, even. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but for some reason, he's just like, oh, nope, no idea. <laughs> no. I, I think I always uh, saw it in kind of, in, in a way, like um, the Superman thing. Where, uh, right. You wear glasses and nobody can tell it's him. It, it's like the crux of the entire universe. Everything is just hinging on the fact that you can't tell that Clark Kent is Superman. Just as everything is hinging on the way and the fact that there's no way that Toshio could ever, ever, ever Possibly. realize or even suspect yeah. that the, the uh, these women who work at the Cat's Eye coffee shop <laughs> are Cat's Eye thieves. Possibly. Uh, or like, possibly wow, this, this superhero named Sailor Moon couldn't possibly be this girl <laughs> who has the exact same, very recognizable, unique hairdo. <laughs> but hey, yeah, you know what? Like, for all, as much as I am making fun of Cat's Eye for, uh, for, for this, maybe it's not as ridiculous when you make a comparison like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's just, it's like I said, it's very, like, uh, sitcom-y in the way. Like, you have to just, like, kind of roll with the ridiculousness because that's just how it goes. Just going back to, like, Cat's Eye and Toshio having, like, a symbiotic relationship. There's a few parts where Cat's Eye will actually uh, capture other criminals and allow Toshio to take the credit for it, Um, which is implied to be the entire reason why he's able to keep his job and keep going and yes. ensure the continued success of Cat's Eye uh, and that making sure that he's always going to be the one in charge of trying to catch them, um, thereby retaining the um, the show's formula as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, because he's he's their mole. I mean, he right. doesn't realize yeah. that, but, you know, they're, they're constantly talking about, like, oh, we put a, we put a, a listening device on, on him, and, or, or yeah. like, I think they did that once or twice with, uh, Asatani even as well. They oh, were yeah, just like, they, they, they sure did. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, let's just put this listening device on them and, like, have them go back to work and we'll just hear every, you know, single plan that they're gonna do so we know how to get exactly to this one painting that we want. Yeah, and I and I have to laugh because like back then like they show like oh here's the listening device and it's actually like pretty big. Nobody ever notices them. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you expect it to be like oh it's gonna be this really tiny thing and it's like no it's like about the size of like you know uh, uh, two dice like sticking together and you're like that's kind of big actually. <laughs> But back then, I guess that's what, like, the technology would look like if it was real. It wouldn't be, yeah. like, super small. Yeah. But I was like, you know, if, if 
this is like this crazy universe where a 16 year old knows how to make life like uh, Android dummies that yeah. look just like them. We couldn't make like a listening device that was like, you know, the, the size of like a, a, a pinhead or something. <laughs> the show does have good attention to detail when it comes to to like a lot of things. Like there's a scene when when I is defusing a bomb. And despite that being such an incredibly cliche scene, they really go out of their way to try and make it, I don't know if necessarily realistic, but believable, because they, they go into right. detail about why it's that um, particular wire she has to cut and why it will be a problem if she cuts the other wire and how the bad guys um, uh, set it up to, to, to throw her off or make it more complicated than it should be. I mean, I, I think in some cases it is... You know, even even though, again, like I said, TMS is, is kind of cranking it out with this stuff. They uh, they they uh, they they do kind of make the most of a lot of the material that they have. To yeah, they want to make it at least yeah. like Hollywood believable. Yeah, yeah, I suppose yeah. would be the best yeah. way to put yeah. it. Yeah. Um, which which is kind of interesting because uh, one of the things that when I talk about like City Hunter to people is like it's very much like uh inspired by a lot of like the 80s like hollywood movies at the time like especially like cinematically like the way it's set up uh it it looks like very much like like, oh we really like a lot of american 80s movies (laughs) that have to do with like cops and stuff (laughs) but um but yeah i do i do agree that like there there are some times where i was like oh well i guess they put some thought into it at least which i appreciate yeah um but but it is like at times i'm like oh this is so ridiculous but like i can't help but love this (laughs) because it's so fun you know you're like oh yeah of course they're gonna like oh no how are we gonna get away with that well we know we're you're gonna get away with it this time i just want to see how you do it yeah Yeah, it it is very much a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like, like <laughs> even though like early eighties was when we were starting to see studios, especially TMS, um, put out shows that were definitely meant for an older, like a not an adult audience, but an older audience. Um, because they made Lupin in the seventies, and mm-hmm. they were starting to make more stuff. It still aired in. I mean, in Japan, it's so weird. It's hard to distinguish what is a kids' time slot or a family time slot or an adult yeah. time slot. They don't. They don't really exist. It's just like this is an anime time slot, um, mm-hmm. regardless of what audience it's for. Um, and and Cat's Eye skewed a little older, but it's it's still a Saturday morning cartoon, which may be why it was a, a choice for export in European countries. European, that's, that yeah. might be yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Overall, um, you know, for better or worse, the relationship between Toshio and Hitomi, it is it is the crux of the series. Um mm-hmm. there there's one interesting moment I want I did want to highlight. I think it's in episode 13 where Hitomi says that she she wants Toshio to keep um chasing chasing her forever. Uh and since high school because you know, again they've been dating her that long and I I can't help but think is like is this whole is the entire setup of this show like, like you know, we have, they have the whole Heinz thing with their father, but it's like, is the re- real reason they're doing this is like Hitomi just manipulating all of their circumstances so that they could just stay in this formulaic routine constantly, where she is she is basically committing crimes and he is chasing her but can never actually catch her. Like, did he? Did, like, huh. did, like, did she pull strings to get him a job? At a police station, huh. and then convince her sisters <laughs> to become thieves, and have huh. them move to like this, have them all move to this one specific precinct that just happened to be home <laughs> to every art museum, um, which which they point out in the show. They point out early on, just so you know, that all of the like, mu- all all of the art museums 
happened to be in this one precinct one that, precinct, that, Tosh- yeah. that Toshio was responsible for. They uh, just happened to move into like the arts district, you know, yeah. like mm. yeah. no, it is that that is it. That's that's that's. That's how they ha- they they hand wave early on yeah. in the series. Yeah, that's um, why like they're just surrounded by all these museums and like art exhibits and all that stuff. Like, wow, what a what a great uh, coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> I do love that idea because it it kind of perpetuate perpetuates the whole like idea of like the romance of like being like a thief and that's like a huge appeal to yeah. some of these stories. Yeah. So I can see why they kind of leaned on that because. Uh, that's just, you know, part of the fun, you know, it's like, well, ultimately, do we really care if they ever meet their father again? Because if they do, then the story's over and it's like, yeah. meh. <laughs> uh, and it's just more fun to see, like, how far she can take, like, all of these capers and and, and how much she just, like, totally bamboozles, like, not just uh, her boyfriend, but, like, the entire police force. Because, like, the, the police chief is, like, his own, like weird character that they're always like laughing about how they're tricking him because he's just as incompetent. Absolutely. Yeah, he's, <laughs> uh, he's the always yelling, always has high blood pressure, uh, 80s boss. So that's, yes. And he, he has not, he has, he has no name. Uh, he's just the chief. Yeah. He's chief, just the chief. Yeah. yeah. Who, uh, he, he also randomly will show up at cat's eye and just be like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Bitching and moaning about how like, Oh, those Date that dang cat's eye, and they're just like, uh huh, oh yeah, tell us all about tell it. All about it, yeah. <laughs> Must yeah. be so hard for I, you. Yeah, I, I'd like to think that this show is like a commentary on how like mediocre men were just able to completely fail upwards into positions <laughs> that would perfectly highlight their incompetence. I love that. The 80s yes. Economy, oh my but god, that, that would I love be that. amazing. Honestly. I probably, yeah. I think I'm getting this. You can read it that way. <laughs> I'm giving this series a little too much credit. I don't think that was intentional at all. But. Hey, even if it's not intentional, it's 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 pretty yeah. you know pretty much yeah. spot on. Honestly. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh. oh yeah. <laughs> Did you have any episode specific episodes you remember as being highlights from what you've seen? Um, there. I, I was watching some of it again, like just recently. Um. Just to, you know, refresh my memory because it'd been a while since I sat down and watched like the whole thing. Um, but sadly, like halfway through, like that's when the license expired and I was like, oh no. Yeah. Um, uh, I did love that they just keep like as the story progresses, they just keep coming up with more and more like ridiculous things for them to do. Like I had totally forgotten there's an episode where they have to pretend to be these like female lady or these lady wrestlers that are basically like female versions of tiger mask oh yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is hilarious uh and and in case you know for any of you who didn't know like tiger mask is like this really popular ongoing series in japan about a wrestler who wears a tiger mask uh, so they, they were called like the lady tigers or something like that and that just like amused me and it's such a product of its time like it seemed like Throughout the 80s, if you had an anime going and it was any time between the mid to late 80s, there had to be a wrestling episode because, like, uh, wrestling was just becoming, like, so huge in Japan at the time. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but that that gave me a laugh because I was like, oh, I'd completely forgotten about this. Um, and there's, like, just a bunch of episodes that are just so wild that you're like, how – what was the – planning for this episode like like the one where they have to steal a painting 
from a rich uh guy who has a collection of paintings inside an oil tanker. Yeah. Like like how did that idea ever like even just come up, you know, you you just have to sit there and think like, wow, it would have been it would have been wild to be a fly on the wall of that writing room. Like, okay, so this episode, <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna try to steal his painting, but it's on an oil tanker, oh, and it. she's in this plastic bubble that she can't get out of. And you're just like, what? <laughs> so so crazy and out there but like at the same time you're like yeah this is pretty much uh you know par for the course on a show like this yeah i know the end the end of season one there was an episode where um someone had done a painting that depicted a politician killing a woman and they had to hide the painting because it would because that uh because it would expose the fact that a politician committed a crime and it's just like paintings don't work that way it's not how people <laughs> make paintings um and like and like the politician hired this guy who is basically a a a, a parody of golgo 13 yes um, to, oh. yeah it was uh that's so great that, that what well, i i really like that there was a two-parter episode um part way through season one where uh they had to basically fix the roulette game um, oh yeah the yeah. the the casino that was on a boat. The casino, the, the yeah, the the casino boat. Uh, mm-hmm. The casino boat one. I I really enjoyed that. I think a big part of it was uh, because Toshio was incapacitated for most of that two parter. <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> also, like there was a lot of cool, like uh, different, like scenery animated in that one. Like the oh yeah, they they had they, to uh, like get through this like hidden door that was behind a waterfall fountain or something and. It was just like really interesting looking. I was like, wow, they really kind of pulled out all the stops for this one. Yeah. And and a rare Rui focused episode too. She doesn't Yeah. Like Rui and I are not main characters on this show. <laughs> no. Like like Hitomi and Toshio, they they are the leads. Uh mm-hmm. like Rui and I, the other two members of Cat Side. They they're very, they are pretty much secondary characters. They don't they yeah. don't get a lot of focus. There but, is kind but, of a cute episode where like uh uh, I think it's, yeah, Rui and, uh, Toshi, like, they have this whole thing where, like, oh, what if he's actually in love with her instead? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, it's very interesting because she's obviously just kind of, like, playing with him. She's, yeah, like, teasing yeah. him, like, immensely, but he's taking it so seriously. Was, it, was that the episode by The Beach or something? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And it's so obvious to me that she's just like, ugh. This stupid boy, <laughs> like, he will, he will basically believe anything I say. Uh, but he's just like, oh, whoa, does she really like me? Oh, I don't, oh, you know. Hitomi is spying on them, and yeah. Uh huh, and, yeah. and she's purposely like, she's not only playing with him, but she's also kind of playing with Hitomi, yeah. uh, just seeing if she can make her like jealous or whatever. Jealous, yes. Um, but in the end, she's just like, kind of like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Uh, in the end, I kind of brought you closer together, didn't I? And yes. she's like, you're just like, wah, wah. <laughs> but it's, it's really cute when, uh, they have more of those character focused episodes. Uh, they don't happen like super often, but when they do, they're, they're a lot of fun. Chris, do you remember any episodes that stood out for you? Honestly, I think I, 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 not really. Uh, okay. what, 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 what did happen is that, I think uh, a lot of the episodes are like merging together in my head with uh, Detective I, Conan. I do. Oh, I, you know, I do not blame you at all. 
Because as I mentioned, they had the same story editor, so they yeah. many of these plots are very similar to what you find yeah. in Detective Conan. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I, I, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> not a lot of episodes stand out. Honestly, yeah. like it's it's pretty fresh in my mind. I because I because I just watched it to prepare for this episode. That's that's <laughs> my background with Cats. Uh, Cats Eye also. I had never really watched it before I I uh, set out to do this episode on it. Yeah, something like I always tell people this isn't a show that benefits from you binge watching it because if you yeah, do no. like like you said like all the episodes will just start like blurring together yeah they blur together yeah yeah like you'll remember like certain scenes because they're interesting or fun uh but after a while you're like what episode was that <laughs> like didn't that happen like five episodes ago and it doesn't help that a lot of episodes have very similar plot devices like i was saying earlier like they reuse a lot of ideas because i mean it's like what like 70 some episodes yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, after a while, you're like, okay, well, how much can we really do with, like, you know, the whole oh, cat and mouse thief cop thing? Like, you you start reusing a lot of the same ideas. But it doesn't mean that they're bad. I mean, uh, I think it just benefits from, like, you know, maybe watching, like, an episode here or there instead of, like, five at once, <laughs> like you might with another uh, series or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think the same could be said, like you said, for um, Detective Conan. Like, that's not a series that you would also just binge watch because no. after a while, everything would just be the same. The same, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot of moments like I'm thinking, wait, wait, was that was that cat size or was that uh, Kaito Kid stealing something? I don't remember, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely, like, uh, I can definitely see uh, the influence that, like, Lupin and this show had to something like Conan, like, definitely. Uh, from the respective, like, the thief side and the cop side. Well, it's not even influence. Like, many of the same people worked on both shows. Both so. shows. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they're like, well, let's just reuse this this old thing again. Yeah, Why not? Uh, it, it works. It, it, yeah. It, it, yeah. If it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Don't, don't fix it. <laughs> that's 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 a lot of how Japan works, you know. It's, yep. it's Japan's motto. Yes. It's not broken. Don't fix it. Yeah. Uh, so there were there were also a couple of live action uh, Cat's Eye productions. Have you guys seen anything from either of those? I, I, I didn't even know. I haven't. I've always wanted to though, just to see like what they would be like. Because I'm so curious about them. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of hoping that maybe Nozomi would like add those on as like an extra or something, but, uh, I know live action stuff is notoriously like a little harder to license sometimes, uh, from Japan just because of a lot of like red tape with, uh, licensing and whatnot. Wait, but, so, uh, so Japanese production, live action, you mean? Yeah, Japanese production. Interesting. I didn't yeah. know. There was a oh. 1988, uh, TV movie. I have not, seen wow. it or, or really been able to find much information on it but there was also a 1997 film uh that came out that commits most of the worst crimes that you'd expect of a live action adaptation that was released in, in 1997 <laughs> um and that one the whole thing is on youtube it's subtitled in french okay uh but uh, you, you know it's <laughs> it, it actually has a it, it has a fully animated opening but you know they they redesign uh, the characters to to look like Halle Berry from the Catwoman live uh, action movie, pretty uh, much. Well, since this, fact, since this, this was the nineties, yeah, yeah I was going to say film this. Um, the uh, the the animated opening they did, I feel like it has more with like maybe Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman, yeah, yeah, uh, um, than um Halle Berry's, but aesthetically, de- definitely... the, 
the costume is the costume is similar to what would later be used in that movie. Probably yeah. like, probably by coincidence, <laughs> but also following similar trends. Mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a lot more yeah. like uh, edgier and sexier yeah. than uh, traditional cat's eye. They they were like, oh well, it's the '90s, so we got to update this and make it look a lot cooler. Yeah, they, um, they I have, have cl- they have metal claws that come out of their gloves. Oh yes. wow! <laughs> yeah, I have seen that animated bit uh, yeah. because somebody. Uh, put that on YouTube at one point. I don't know if it's still there. Um, but I saw that clip and I was just like, wow, this is not the cat's eye I remember. <laughs> but it, it, it's animated really well. It looks really cool. But it's yeah. a lot like, like I said, it's a lot like edgier and like darker than um, it, OG it cat's seems, eye. It seems to miss the point completely. Yeah. 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 It's and more like, ooh, let's make expect. it. Let's make it real yeah. sexy. Yeah. Um, but they did have the the um, the old um, voice actors uh, repraise their roles for those, I believe, for oh, that really? little for that little short. Um, uh. So that's kind of cool because uh, the the voice actresses for um, the sisters they're all like uh, pretty pretty talented and pretty well known. I mean, like uh, this was actually one of the first major roles for uh, Chika Sakamoto, who like she became like wildly popular in the 90s like she was in like so much stuff she was in Yugi and she was in sailor moon um she was in uh pokemon she was in like so much Mm um uh digimon uh what else i think she was also in hell teacher nube Oh wow! Okay. Um. Yeah, she was in like a ton of stuff, and I believe she's still working to this day. She has a very uh, recognizable voice. Uh, she she usually gets asked to do either sort of like tomboyish girls or young boy or tomboyish girls and young boys. Okay. Um. But now that she's a little older, I think she might be doing more like um older women. But uh, but I I really like her voice because it's very recognizable. Uh, every time I hear it, I'm like, that's Chika Sakamoto. <laughs> I instantly recognize that voice. Um, because she just has, uh, sort of like a, uh, almost like a gruff undertone to it. I don't want to say it's like not feminine, but it's like not traditionally feminine, if mm. that makes sense. <laughs> so she was always one of my favorite characters. I was, oh, uh, a little, disappointed in the second series where they kind of make her cat's eye outfit a little sexier and i was just like oh she's 16 guys come on yeah. <laughs> like we, we don't really need her running around in something sexy i much prefer her like high collared outfit from the uh the first season the the most yeah, i think most, yeah. they're both still bright orange though which yes um <laughs> not <laughs> Not a not a not a very good practical choice either way. No, no, I, it's kind of like the first time I ever saw Naruto. I was like, why is a ninja wearing bright orange? Like, is that a little counterintuitive to the whole process? <laughs> but uh, you know, aesthetically, like it looks really good. Uh-huh. <laughs> so overall, uh, how do you how, do you do you feel that this is a show people should seek out? At all? I know it's a bit of a tough question now because it's just hmm. uh, gone out of print. Um, I know, which is like a bummer. But I feel yeah. like, uh, my personal opinion, I feel like if you really enjoy like older anime and 
you want something that's like sort of like a dramedy uh, that's like a little bit pulpy. It's kind of like that throwback to like I was saying, like maybe late seventies, early eighties, like sitcoms where like there's this whole ridiculous hook and like every episode they have to come up with sillier and sillier ways to not get caught or to pull off like the perfect heist or whatever. Uh, if you're like really into things like Lupin or Detective Conan, like you probably would really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but for some people it might be like a little too outdated, a little too campy, a little too weird. Um, but I feel like if you just like at least maybe watch the first couple episodes and like see what you like, like if you like it, uh, it's, it's just really fun and, and, you know, it doesn't take itself seriously. It's just kind of like, you just kind of turn off your brain and watch this like sort of ridiculous, like old sitcom-y sort of thing. And it has just like super great music. <laughs> I yeah. know I've mentioned it before. Like, you know, the soundtrack <laughs> is just awesome. It's really good. Yeah. I never well, get sick of those, uh, openings or endings. I never skip them. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. Uh, uh, I think, I think it, there's, it might be a little bit of an acquired taste to it nowadays. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's definitely worth checking if if you like old animation. I mean, there's there's a charm to it, you know. Yeah, I think if it's something that you watched as a kid, I think there'd be a lot of value in going back to it. Um, yeah. I, I I can't relate to that feeling at all, but I think it would be an interesting. Like, you will almost certainly be disappointed by it by some degree if you watched it as a kid and then go back to it as an adult. But um, I think it would be an interesting experience to do that. Um, overall, I, I'd say this is not something I would recommend blind buying. Uh, right, so if yeah. you're, if you're like scrambling to get a DVD copy for seasons one and two, just cause it's going out of print, I mean, stop and, and, uh, and see if you can check out a couple episodes first. One or two episodes will be more than enough to determine whether or not you're going to like that. What you see in those two episodes, that's what you get. That's, for the yeah, whole yep. show, pretty yep. much. Yep. I, uh, d- despite the slight changes in directional style in, uh, in in season two. Yep. Um, that's 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 what you're getting. See, now um, I'm really curious about the manga now. Yeah, yeah, I really wish that the manga was available in English, but to uh, I I don't see it like doing good in the American market like at all. (laughs) Oh, no. I mean, older folks like me would be like, oh, yeah, that would be great. But, like, anyone else would just be like, what is this? What is this? "Mm." (laughs) Which is a shame, because I I really love um, Tsukasa Hojo's style. Uh, He could draw, like, anything, and I would be like, yes, it's beautiful, it's perfect. Um, So I guess we'll just finish off with the most important question. Uh, Who do you feel is best girl from this show? Oh, oh gosh, I I like I was saying earlier, I really like I I just think she's so fun and plucky and cute. Um, but I also like Rui because like uh like I was saying earlier, you, you don't get like that sort of um spectrum of like sort of older female characters in starring roles. So it was really cool that even though she wasn't always the focus, it was mostly Hitomi, like you were saying. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, she she's pretty much like the leader. So she'll come out and she'll say like important things and she'll sort of direct what everyone's doing and then just like kind of take it from there. Uh, and that was always really cool. I always thought she was just like, you know, a very cool and, and, and neat character. And I kind of wished that she did get more screen time like Hitomi, but honestly, like all of them are 
pretty great for their own yeah. reasons. Yeah. It's no, really but, hard for me to choose like one specific one. <laughs> I, I, I think for me, it, it's definitely Re for all the reasons you mentioned. Mm. Yeah, and, and like she's she's like like twenty seven and twenty seven. Yeah, going going back to like in how the characters are presented, um, like she's not depicted as being like an old lady or uh, yeah, that's or anything also like that. something yeah. that was really cool. Like because usually in anime, if there's like a female character around that's like close to thirty, everyone's always talking about how they're an old maid and they have oh to, my God. have to I, get I, married and yeah. all this other stuff. But like that, I don't think that ever comes up for her. No. Like ever. Yeah. No. Once you're around thirty, it's just like you're you're an old. Oh, person. you're old. You're but, you're, 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 you're ancient. God, yeah. why aren't you having yeah. kids? Jeez. How yeah. are you still alive? <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, despite all my uh, all my uh, slagging on her earlier, I, I say Asatani probably. Oh, okay. Asatani is yeah. pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, she's good. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's nice to see like a, a cool like capable female cop who. Yeah. Uh, can basically like do circles around everyone else at the at the station. <laughs> yeah, she just doesn't want to. Yeah, so. <laughs> she's just like Ugh, whatever. That's not my problem. Yeah. Which honestly, big mood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that uh, that just about wraps us up. So, where can everyone find you guys uh, online? Now, uh, Chris, if you can go first. Uh, hey, so you can find me online uh, on Twitter at uh, at Kurosuki. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Yep. And, uh, well, you can find my podcast if you like listening about, uh, old anime and manga and what fandom was like, you know, pre-internet days, uh, which is basically my, my focus. Uh, you can find the Anime Nostalgia podcast at animenostalgia.blogspot.com as well as, uh, animenostalgia.tumblr.com. Uh, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. If you look it up, you can usually find me. I have it plugged into pretty much all the major podcast catchers like uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. Oh, I still, I'm not on Spotify yet. I still got to get. <laughs> I have to get on that. Um, yeah, uh, thanks for tuning in to Zon in Canada. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at jbetteridge or email zonincanada at gmail dot com. Uh, the theme song to this show is by Ulster Kleistron. You can find that on his album, The Packet Flood, uh, which you can find at ultrakleistron.com. Uh, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, your podcast app of choice. And hey, if you want to listen to more of the retrospectives I've done on this show, head to zonin.ca where you'll find a full list. Some of the most recent ones include the Canadian Dragon Ball Experience, Goldorak, uh, the Bush Baby, Gundam Seed, Gundam Wing, Albator, and a few others as well. If you know anyone who might like this show, please recommend it to them. See you again! Yeah.